Today's message is the second part of one that I, first part was about a month ago, and uh, really I think this is the, the other one, the first part was more of an introduction for this message today, it was a catapult to this one, because this is something that I wanted us to understand today. We ha- I believe that some of us have equated confidence with pride. Hear me, we have equated confidence with pride. We don't like to talk about what God has done in our lives because we think that that some way, somehow, will be robbing God of his glory. But look at the text. David said, when the lion came, I slew the lion. When the bear came, I slew the lion. And David has said, I know that my strength comes from God, but what you have to understand is that God gave me part of his power so that I might be able to do things for his glory. So that means I have to exercise the gifts that God has given me. Some are walking, I believe, in false humility. They think that to decide anything on our own would be prideful. And there is a that there, but friends, there is a difference between pride and confidence. Pride talks about what we have done, and it gives us the credit of everything that we have done. Confidence says, I know that I can do all things through Christ. This is what pride did that first. Confidence says, I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me give you an example. Dr. E.E. Cleveland was thought by some to be the most, to brought more people into this message than any other. I uh, don't know how that one would judge that. I think only God could give us the answer to that because we have some powerful evangelists like John Carter, Mark Finley, Doug Batchelor, Kenneth Cox, and many others. But I don't know where that, that you, only he could make that tell us the one that's bought the most. But there are some people that didn't like E. Uh, e-, e. Cleveland. They thought he was arrogant. They thought he talked too much about what God had, uh, about his abilities. But you must understand something. That when you have been with God as long as he was, I think his father was a pastor, and you see God do certain things in your life that you give a testimony and a witness to. And people do not understand that when you walk that long with God, as close as he did, that you, along with it comes confidence. I remember E.E. Cleveland telling the story. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and he received 
a call at two o'clock in the morning. Now, Dr. Cleveland had cast out some devils out of people, or demons out of people. And he had a reputation for that. Someone, someone called him at two o'clock in the morning and said, Dr. Cleveland, would you come down? We have a man here. Would you come down here? We have a man that's demon possessed. We would like for you to come down and cast the demons out of him. He said, I'm not coming. He says, two o'clock in the morning and I'm tired and I will not allow the demons to, to, to rob me of my rest. But he said, they, the demons know me. You put a telephone to the, to the man's ear. And uh, Dr. Cleveland prayed in the name of Jesus. And he cast these demons out of this man. You see, when you have this kind of power, it's not pride. It's not pride. That's confidence. That's confidence. It's in the people you know and... It's in the Bible. The Bible says that Paul said, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, and I, I'm the best Pharisees you will ever find. He said pretty much, there's no other like me. Would you say Paul is bragging? No, he's not bragging. He's simply telling you what God has done in his life. There are some that are not living up, I believe, to their potential because they have assumed this false humility. And it's the same humility that kept the armies of Israel afraid and David was bold. We talked last time about the armies of Israel. They were how scared they were of the giant. Uh, David said, God has given me something. I know I killed a lion. I know I killed a bear that's trying to steal my sheep. And he said, you put me in the direction of that giant and I'll put him down today. You have to understand what you, what you already have. You have to understand what you already have. Do you not know that what you have today as a Christian do you not know that you have the word of God? Do you realize, do you realize that when you quote the word of God, that the enemy knows that power and they will not stay around? It's that same word that Jesus used in the wilderness when the enemy backed up from him. My sister Joyce was office manager for RACC for a number of years. She started out when they built the first office here. And she was she worked as she retired there. And one month they called all of the managers together and they said, You're going to have a lot of complaints this uh, th- th- this next bill that goes out. She sa- said there'd been more usage. Because this has been the coldest month that we have had since we've been in uh, since we've been in existence or in service, and said you're going to receive a lot of complaints. And they taught them, I'm sure, how to face objections and what to say. So she heard a tape. This pastor was talking about the power of the spoken word. 
she took a tape recorder or, or tape player to her office with her and started playing it real low. The demons have superficial hearing. No one else could hear it. Well, when the at the end of the month, all the other offices was absolutely swamped with complaints. All of them but one. The office here in Whitley City in Macquarie County. Not one complaint. And she plays on. She said one man started to raise his voice and she looked over and the tape player had kicked off just for a moment. It was started right back and he calmed down. Evidently the Lord was said, Joyce, I just want you to know that I'm in charge. Ohio Conference. They had come up with a plan, and it was a good plan. I've often thought about it maybe here. Uh, it's according, I'm sure, the membership and where they're from. The Ohio Conference come up with the plan that we would choose someone in the community that would like to have Bibles, uh, one of our members that would uh, uh, like to have Bible studies in his home, and we would go to the members of that, co- people lived in that community, and we would ask them, would you like to, we're just getting together the people in this community and thought it'd be nice to get to know each other and study the Bible together. Would you like that? I'm telling you, yes, yes, we would love that. People will come to your home where they, when they will not come to church. I don't think, we, we couldn't take all of them, but we, so we knew when to quit, we was going to have enough. The first meeting was wonderful. Now, the, the man that we went to his home, he was an elderly gentleman. He had two sons, and he knew what peer pressure was. So in his finished basement, he had a full pen, he had a large, full-size pinball machine. He had a full-size pool table. Now, the full size, this pool table made an excellent uh, table for Bible studies. So my group was on one side. So they, they chose so many elders, people that would be qualified to give this kind of study. And I was, I think, the, one of the first ones. I was first elder. So... And the first night was just wonderful. We got acquainted with each other and shared our faith with each other. But the next night was something else. There was a pastor on the other side of the table. Most of our people was on the same side I was. And I don't know what persuasion he was. But he disagreed with everything I said. He even became angry. I remember one night that uh, this one person is over on his side of the table. I think we're studying the Ten Commandments. And he looked over at one of our members and he said, if you uh, probably was on thou shalt not kill because he looked at this, this friend of mine. He said, if you touch my wife, I'll kill you. He said, I don't even know your wife. I have no intention of touching your, uh, touching your wife. Well, I knew this exper- experience that Joyce had had. And I've t- told my wife, I said, honey, I want you to take in this uh, cassette player, put a Bible tape on it, 
I don't remember what it was, 90 minutes or, or two, uh, two hours. But I said, now, what's the time? And when it comes time to turn that over, you'll, no one, no one, Paying attention to when you get up, they think you went to the restroom or something. You go over and flip that tape over. I want to tell you, friends, totally difference. I've never seen as much difference in my life. The people were totally different. The enemy, the, the demons did, will not stick around where God's word is being quoted. They, they know the power of God. They hate that and they will flee from that. I remember this one, the week before he'd threatened to kill one of the people on my side. Totally different. He, he disagreed with someone one time, and I see a little different way, and then he apologized for it. Do we understand the power of God that God has given us to live this Christian life? Do you, do you know that you have in prayer Access to the very throne of God. I believe that we must have faith. That is a condition we must trust and we must believe in what God has said. I have found the confidence that when God has made a promise, he keeps that promise. And when we use, when we pray, there's something powerful that happens. Do you not know that when you slept last night, there's a war going on, friends. When you slept last night, that the enemy tried to snuff out your life. But the angels of the Lord fought all night against them that you might see the light of day. And so that you might be here here today. Do you not know that you have the presence of the Holy Spirit? Have the presence who gives you advice, who tells you where to go where not to go, who tells you what to say and what not to say, and when to be quiet and when to call on him. I've seen the mighty work and power of God in, in this situation so many different times when I was in the literature work. I remember one time this couple knew that we were Adventists some way, and they had studied and done some deep study into to, uh show us that we were in a cult that we didn't know anything about the Bible. He started asking me the questions. God started answering them through me. There's not one thing that he didn't ask me that Jesus, when God answered, he went into detail. And when it was over, this man felt like the underdog, not me. And when we went out the door that evening, he had his hand on my shoulder and said, keep up the good work you're doing, brother. And we got outside and my wife looked up at me and she said, honey, no one could do, could did any better than you did. I said, I didn't do that. He did that. But I'm firm, firmly convinced that we have to, I had to read that someplace. The Bible makes it clear that God will bring to our mind at the time of need what we have Put in that computer. Do you not know that you have the resurrection power of God in your life? The resurrection power of God, Jesus said, in me. Jesus said, you will do greater works than I have done. You hear that? Jesus said, you will do greater works than I have done. 
you have got all of that power. You've got all of that power. You have, you, I mean, you're afraid of the devil. The devil ought to be afraid of you. The devil ought to be afraid of you. And when we meet together on Wednesday evening, the devil quakes in his boots when we pray because the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Do you know how prayer works? See, you have those that they're not calling on God. They might not even be thinking about it. It could be our relatives, our family. And he will not interfere with their life. Our, 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 our Lord could not, because if he did, the enemy would come to say, wait a minute. You gave us a freedom. Of, you gave man a freedom of choice, a free will. And if you interfere with him, you are not giving him a free will. You know, when you go out in the morning each and every day of your life, if you don't ask God to be with you, friends, you're on your own because there's not anything that he will do, can do for you. And if he interferes, the Lord interferes, the, the devil will remind him of that. But when God's people pray on a Wednesday evening, the Lord would respond back, no, this is true. I do not have... I cannot interfere with the free choice I've given him. But I have some children that prayed on a Wednesday evening. And I have a perfect right to answer their prayer. Now, he will not interfere with that man's choice that accepted him. But I can tell you because of that. He'll bring conviction on that person that could never be bought up if, if that his children didn't pray. Some people say, well, Glenn, I know that you folks, all of you, you pray a lot. That's no issue. I know a lot of people that do not like to pray aloud and they never will feel comfortable in it, and that's all right. When it comes your time, we'll have a time of silence, and all you have to do is say amen when you're through. Come, friends, where the environment of the Holy Spirit is known to work. If you ask for anything, he said, in my name, if you believe it, God is going to do it. I believe I lost my checkbook recently and I searched for it for a couple of days, and I have to remember Glenn Coon's prayer to thank him when you pray, to thank him for the answer that you've already received the answer. And I did just that. And the time I said, amen, was getting off my knees. He the Lord told me where it was at. He told me why it was in a different place and why I put it there as the, instead of the usual place. That's a God we serve. Some are waiting on God to do what God has, is waiting on them to do. Now look at the army of Israel standing around and they have all the weapons. They have the experience. They have all the military experience. And here comes this giant and they're all afraid of him. They're supposed to be the people of God. Afraid they all have 
military experience, but here comes this this boy that has never fought in a battle before, but he walks up and he says, I've got this. He said, yes, I killed a bear, I killed a lion. And you step aside. I've got this, I've, I like David, don't you? He also has a, got a godly self-image and he has a godly esteem. David was never the, never the, the uh, underdog. He was never the really, he, he wasn't. He was never the underdog. And we look at that, but well, we look at it a different way most people do. They looked at that story and they, it's really a classic to most people. They, they always tell it as if David was an underdog and, and this uh, uh, giant warrior. Well, when you have got God on your side, friends, you're never the underdog. He was never the underdog, not just because he had God on his side, but David was never the underdog because David never saw himself as the underdog. You see, David never got this underdog mentality. He never saw himself as the underdog because the, the greatest battle that night or that day, was not the battle of weapons. I don't think it was even the battle of of fate. It was a battle of perception. David never... See, see, see the, the, the Israelite soldiers, the whole army, perceived themselves as underdogs to this Goliath. David was the only one who saw himself greater than Goliath. And the way you see yourself in Christ is the way that you will operate in Christ. If you see yourself as an underdog, you will, you will, you will act like an underdog. You will pray underdog prayers and you will, and you will expect underdog blessings. If you give underdog testimonies, oh, Lord, how I, I, I had a tough week last week, and that was all I could do to get here. Oh, I'd love to stay in bed this morning. You know what we should be doing? Leaping into church, not dragging into church. I'm in about a month and a half, not hardly not hard that month, I'll be 88 years young. And I can't remember ever trying to struggle <laughs> to get up out of bed when Sabbath comes. I have a slower time now than I used to. I have some wonderful people that give me, that I truly love, that's give me uh, transportation to church. But even when I was back in my, my early 80s, I, I was leaping into church. I had no problems that time. I remember Sister Katie told me one time, Glenn's. So I never thought I was old till I reached my eighties. <laughs> I can I can understand what she's talking about. But God carries me through every week, and I would have to struggle. My fight would be 
not to come to church, but to stay in bed. Not when the Sabbath is here and God meets with his people. And like each other, friends, we are not underdogs. God never deceived or made any of us to be underdogs. I'm telling you that God created us not to be underdogs, but he created us to be the head and not the tail. We're not supposed to drag ourselves into church. We're supposed to, we're supposed to leap into church for worship. The strength of the Lord has been carrying us through all week. If you think like an underdog, you will pray for small things. You'll pray for small stuff for, for healing. You'll pray for healing when God wants to give you resurrection. You'll pray for houses when God wants to give you holiness. You'll pray for happiness when God wants to fill you with joy. You'll pray for things that money can buy instead of what God can supply. I see my time is about up. But friends, trust and obey. I found that God, I can have total confidence in him because he's proved himself to me over and over again. Trust in him, friends. Keep putting yourself in the environment where the Holy Spirit is known to work. And I believe the more people that are praying, I believe with all of my heart, I've been talking to my prayer partner about this. If God's people would get together and pray and start trusting in God, spending time with him, and you'll, you'll come to trust him. We wouldn't be holding one service here with some empty pews. We'd have to be holding two or three services. Let's learn. Let's spend time with him every day. Let's make that the first thing every morning. First, to go to the cross, that's the first thing I do because the gift of the Holy Spirit is not a smorgasbord thing. But if we'll ask for it every day, we will receive it. Jesus will become more real to us and he'll give us the confidence that we need. Father, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. And Father, if we will trust in you, I know that you will prove yourself to us over and over. Thank you for the wonderful experience. Thank you that the friendly arms of the cross are still outstretched, inviting us to come, inviting us to trust. We pray, Father, that you would continue to teach us this wonderful lesson. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.